Welcome back to the Preacher's Kids podcast with Eli Blevins and John Groves. We are so excited that you're here today as we discuss a couple very important things, like balancing your church calendar with extracurriculars. Is it okay to want to be a part of things that are happening on the nights that something's happening at the church building? And if you're experiencing burnout, how do you recover from that? How do you bounce back? Well, today's episode is sponsored in part by Goldfish. It's the official snack of every church nursery ever, and it's the snack that smiles back even when the deacon's wife doesn't. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up? Welcome back to the Preacher's Kids podcast. I'm here with my incredible, just super good-looking, talented, uh, hilarious, I mean, I don't. I can't even say enough good things about my co-host over here, Eli Blevins. He is just a legend, and I'm so happy to be here today with him. What's up, Eli? How are you doing? Let's go. I had to sneak that in there somewhere, but I'm excited for today. And uh, I did everything that John says about me to him, except more talented, more funny, and Whoa. definitely better looking. So, wow! I just I want you to know that I humbly receive that. Um, and I'm going to add that into the book I'm writing right now about the six most humble people that I know and how I met the other five. Um, and yeah. so it's like an autobiography. It's basically an autobiography of how amazing I am, but I'm using some ghost writers and I really okay, appreciate good. you uh, saying that about me. Thank you so much for, yeah, absolutely. And I can take any of those little quotes and I can add it in there for you. Um, anytime if you need any more sound bites for your absolutely. books and quotes, I can keep going on and on. Speaking of sound bites, could we all just pause for a moment and <laughs> give a massive hand clap wherever you're listening? Glory to God. And thank you to those of you who donated on the GoFundMe and ultimately to Harriet Blevins for providing this incredible podcast microphone that Eli is talking on right now. He sounds amazing. This is so much better. This is incredible. Yes. Yeah, shout to uh, mom. Always, Thanks, mom. There's just so many things to shout her out for. Absolutely. So, this will prove if she's listening or not as well. So, Yeah, if Harriet would only leave a rate and review, the podcast could really go next level. So I'm just dropping for, that little. For sure. Speaking of rates and reviews, please head to wherever you can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple. And uh, yeah, drop us, a little, drop us a little review on there. Tell us that we're your two favorite people in the entire world. Maybe not but give us some five stars, give us some thumbs up emojis. Yeah. Show some love. Come show on. John some love. He needs, he needs some more things for his autobiography Thank you. about how humble he is. And, and while we're talking about, you know, this in this extended introduction, while we're giving these types of details, our podcast this last week became available on iHeartRadio as well. So if you're listening and you're like, man, I really wish I could listen to this on the Google podcast app. We're available yeah. there now as well. iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all the ones that you can imagine. We're literally everywhere now thanks to the hard work of Eli Blevins and your support. Thank you so much for sending in all the money that you... No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we are available everywhere and we're excited about that. And we're also excited about today's episode um, and all the episodes. We're excited about all the episodes. They're really always are. our favorite ones. We're just our hype for life. We're hype for life. This, this just includes it on top. This is the icing on the cake for all of us. Amen. Anytime we get to do this. But yes, today we've got a really special one. We're going to dive into a super um, 
just a great topic, a unique topic, one that, that all of us pastors' kids have, you know, felt and experienced a time or two or 10 or 15 times. We're going to talk a little bit today about burnout and what does that mean, kind of our perspectives on church burnout, how um, maybe to guardrail your time. Um, there's just a lot that kind of goes into it. And so John is going to just bring some heavenly fire onto this and um, really bring some good perspectives. And we're just going to have a good open conversation about it. Um, church is awesome. It's a place that we should want to be at. But we also know that as pastor's kids, sometimes we're there um, a lot. It's probably an understatement <laughs> for some of us. Sometimes you're there three or four times a week. Sometimes you're there seven times a week. But you're probably not just there, you know, once or twice a month. You're probably there a lot. Um, so, yeah, John, tell us a little bit maybe about um, for you, um, maybe growing up in the church, how much were you there? Um, you know, kind of what was your life like, your day-to-day life kind of growing up in the church? Oh, my gosh. So I'm not sure if there are any PKs out there that feel this way. And if you're there, we would love to hear your stories. Like, shoot them over to us on Instagram. But for my experience, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of what the schedule was like, because there are some out there that really think they have it hard, but I think that that's child's play. So um, our family was responsible for quite a bit. We were responsible for a, a lot when the church was big and still a lot when the church was small. And so my typical schedule at, at various times, kind of meshing it all together, was waking up early on Sunday morning to make sure that all of the Sunday school classrooms were set up with everything from their little attendance cards to all of the things they would need for that day. And then hopping on a bus route. That's right. We picked up uh, kids from the inner city and families that didn't have transportation on church buses. We used to run several of them. And so I was on a bus route with my aunt and uncle. So I'd hop on a bus and I was the one who was responsible for going, getting out of the bus, you know, whether it was snowing, sleeting, raining, or sun shining in my suit <laughs> to knock on the door to make sure that that kid was ready to go or that family was ready to go. And sometimes that meant like helping them get ready to go if their parents didn't wake them up wow. and getting them on the bus. And then we would get back to the church building about 15, 20 minutes before Sunday school would begin. So we'd be there. Sunday school began at 10 a.m. And then uh, the Sunday morning service at 11. And I was responsible for quite a bit of our church music experience. So making sure that everything was ready to go for all that that involved from making sure that the choir books were out and ready to, uh, cause we, we had a kicking church choir for the longest time. We didn't have oh, robes, it good? no robes, but we did have some pretty fire music for our choir. Let's um, go. And so, uh, then I also was the, the piano player for our church. And so, um, we'd get the music rolling, you know, before the service was about to start, get the choir happening, the Sunday morning service and all of that. Then we'd finally go out to lunch or something like that after church, but have to be back that night around 5 p.m. to do everything over again. Uh, But we'd have to tear down all the chairs and everything for Sunday school and make sure that that was all put away. And then we'd have choir practice that evening and music practice for other things. And then the Sunday evening service. And then Monday was actually kind of an off day. We didn't have a whole lot going on on Mondays, but then Tuesday night we had Bible Institute, which required a whole different setup for 
that particular program. And then Wednesday night, we had Wednesday night church and prayer meeting, which required a different setup and music and all of that as well. And then Thursday night, we did hospital and like shut-in visitations. So I would hop in the car with uh, my grandfather and we would travel around and you know, go visit people who needed to be visited and prayed for. So that would be several hours right there. And it also required getting dressed up. And then Friday night, we had this thing that was like an addictions recovery program. So we had to be there for that, obviously. Um, And we also did music uh, for that experience as well. And then Saturday morning, I would get up really early about like six or seven and get to the church because we would clean the entire church building And then we would get ready for 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. men's prayer. And then after the men's prayer, we'd grab some lunch and be back at the church by noon for door-to-door visitation where we would go knock doors in neighborhoods and invite people to church. And then we'd be done about 3 p.m. and everything would start all over again the next Sunday. We were literally at church every day of the week. And if we had a revival which was like a week-long deal, and we did that about four times a year. Uh, That meant all of that plus being at church 7 p.m. for the services that would go every single weeknight. So um, if you think you've got it tough, like, and and I'm just throwing this out there. If you think you have it tougher than that, uh, hit us up with your schedule because you're the person we want to interview. But that that was my life, bro. That was what I did. So So how old were you during this time? So that was just my life from the time I was maybe around eight years old um, when I started getting tossed responsibility. Okay, no joke. This is going to blow some people's minds. But I started getting paid to clean the entire church building when I was eight years old. Let's go. And they paid me to clean the entire church building. And we're talking like vacuum the auditorium because we had Is this even legal? Uh, it's not legal, especially for not what they paid me. They paid me $2 to clean the church <laughs> building, $2. And that's what wow. I was paid until I became a teenager and I, I pushed for more money when they started paying me, uh, get ready, $15 to do all of the wow. same work. And it, believe me, it took more than an hour. Wow. So you were making like... 50 cents an hour? Uh, Something like that. I've never even done the math. It just makes me upset to do it. (laughs) That is, um, I'm tired and I'm just listening to you. I'm just tired. You know, it's like I was watching, um, I was watching the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, and I was watching kind of all their workouts that they're doing to like get ready for the season. And I was just like, oh, my brain is just tired from watching them just practice and practice. And that's how I feel right now listening to you. I just feel tired already for you. Like, I feel like you just need to take a six-year nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I didn't take a six-year nap, but I will say that it was that type of stuff that made me dread everything ministry-related. It was that yeah. type of stuff that made, made me want to take a six-year break from just church in general, church people, church ministry, church stuff, church buildings. I just had this like tension inside me where I'm like, I've got to get away from all of it. Yeah. And so did you feel like, I know you said you got paid, you know, like two bucks to do it, but did you feel like you always had to be there or was it more of like, this is just what I'm doing or like just second nature. Like, you know, it's just Tuesday we're here. 
or was it more of like, I have to be here? How did maybe I, how did that schedule work out? I think as a kid, you're not really aware what the other kids are doing, right? Your social yeah. life is really contingent upon where your parents drive you as a kid. So, Facts. you know, up until maybe like fifth or sixth grade, I was just like, this is what we do. You know, I just assumed everybody did something like this and this is church. So you're supposed to be here. And if you're not, you're probably going to hell, you know? So, cause that was kind of how it was presented in our sure. context. So I was just like, this is what we do. But then when you start becoming aware of there are extracurriculars at school that you can be a part of, um, if you don't have to be at the church every day of the week yeah. and there are parties to go to and friends to hang out with, then it started to become a, wait, why is it that I have to be here for all of these things and the other kids don't? In fact, there was a season where I was the only kid at every single one of these things and no one else was. And I'm going, wait, like, but are, are, are they sinners now? Like, how does, how does this work? And so yep. it started as a, this is what we do. And it became a, uh, I don't want to do this. Right. How do you, I mean, even just mentally, how do you get from maybe even like I'm having to do this and does that even trickle into your personal like relationship with Jesus? Like, does that, I know there's, you should be separated, you know, you're, relationship with Jesus and church work should be separated, but is that, how's that bleed in? Does it make you not maybe want to open your Bible and, and read or does it make you not want to listen to, you know, Christian music or, you know, how does that trickle into your everyday life? Um, how, how does that bleed into it? So I'd even love to hear your thoughts on this because I know yeah. you, you grew up in a, a ministry home. Um, and I want to be quick to say that I, am not sorry or regretful over many of these things. Um, I, I wish that some of them would have been different, but there are a lot of things that were really great. So I want to say that I didn't, I don't think it was all bad, but bleeding over into my spiritual life, that definitely happened because you got to think when you're at the church building, you're probably doing something church related. And so I was hearing preaching almost every day of the week, you know, before we would gather to go do something on Thursday or Tuesday or Saturday, there was time of prayer. There was probably a song and then there was either some short devotional or a longer sermon. And so gotta be honest, I got to the point where I was like getting in my Bible for myself is actually kind of ridiculous at this point and redundant because right. it's not going to be as deep as what, you know, my dad or my grandpa or my great grandpa are going to be speaking about or the Sunday school teacher or the, you know, the team leader or whatever. It's not going to be as deep as that. And if I'm going to hear it anyway, then technically I'm in the word every day, like they're telling me to. Yep. And so I just put my spiritual life on cruise control and, and just kind of took my hands off the wheel and what happened to me as a teenager quickly. Cause like if you drive and you put your car in cruise control and you take your hands off the wheel, your tires are going to swerve one direction, probably in the near future. You're not going to be able to keep a complete straight line for very, very long. Yep. And you're going to wind up crashing into something. 
And that's what happened for me. I cruise control, hands off the wheel, and all of a sudden my spiritual life was completely derailed. And I think what made it worse is I was really good at pretending like all of the other kids and most of the adults. Yep. I was really good at pretending <laughs> church building, but on the inside and in the privacy of my own heart or my own room or around people who weren't connected to my church, I was the opposite of, of most of those things. I wasn't convinced that even a lot of it was true for the longest time. Well, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. I guess when you get spoon fed everything and you stop like preparing your own meals, like you're supposed to spiritually, um, you don't have that discipline. You don't have that strength and yeah, your spiritual walk becomes dependent upon other people, which isn't really a spiritual walk if we're being honest. right. Right, right, right. I like the analogy of the car. I was even thinking for like my own personal kind of like walk. Have you ever just like driven from a place back to your house and you get to your house and you're like, oh, I guess I'm here already. And you don't even remember. You're like, I hope I didn't run any red lights or anything like that. And you just yes. don't re even really remember your drive. That's kind of like how it was for me a little bit. Um, maybe not like when I was super young, but like middle school bleeding into high school, I was just like, I guess this is just, I'm here so much. I'm at church so much. And the next thing you know, you're like, Oh gosh, like, okay, I probably need to figure out exactly what happened here. And you know, how I got from point A to point B for this one. And, um, and you know, we've all been there where you just know exactly where Chick-fil-A is and you just end up driving there and you're just Amen. there and it's just like, Oh, okay. Now I have my food. Like, this is awesome. Um, and that's just kind of how my spiritual walk was. Like I was in church, not as much as you, but I was there probably four times a week and some of those were all encompassing. Um, my parents planted the church. So especially in the beginning days, I was going door to door, you know, giving out flyers for church and little pamphlets and um, God bless Halloween and giving out tracks and church invites yes. for, for Halloween. Here's some M&Ms, but also here's an invite to church kind of deal. And none of them, not a single person came from that. But I think know. there's a lot of PKs that are resonating with exactly what you're saying right now. And so I'm actually kind of curious, do you remember your door knocking spiel that you would give when someone would answer the door? Okay. So my dad said he would bring me along because he knew that the person on the other side would have a harder time saying no or probably cussing him out because I was standing there. Yeah. So I just kind of became a mascot and <laughs> I became kind of like the, uh, the soft conversation piece uh, because I could just, you know, smile big and, and wave and you know, hope they don't say anything rude or mean to us. And so that's kind of, I was the uh, mascot of the church, I guess me and my sister were. Um, but I, I remember, I mean, I remember coming, I was homeschooled for during that time as well. Um, I just fit the bill of the classic, you know, I was homeschooled and then I went door to door doing invites to church. And so, yeah, that, what a time. Um, but that was honestly looking back on now and actually working at the church that I was doing door to door with now and just seeing, you know, just kind of the faithfulness of it, you know, through it all. Kind of like you said, like, yeah, do I wish it was maybe, maybe not even different, but just, I guess maybe different, but I don't regret it at all. Like now looking back on like, wow, I learned a lot through those times. I, you know, learned what it takes to start a church, you know, from a nine-year-old perspective, of course, but right. you know, I was, you know, I had blood and sweat equity into it. And so, you know, just 
looking back on now, I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful that I was along for some of those. And I'm sure you are too. Like you're thankful to be along on some of those hospital visits and, you know, picking kids up. And I mean, it matters just because it may be a time bleeder and just kills our week. They're so important um, to what's going on. So if you're out there listening and maybe you resonate with some of this on either a bigger scale or probably a smaller scale, um, one day you're going to look back on it and you're going to remember those times and you're gonna be like, wow, that was actually really special that we got to do that. Absolutely. And in the moment, I know you're thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't hang out with my friends. And yes, I've had all those same, you know, kind of thought processes myself, but looking back on it now, I'm like, well, it's probably like so much better that I was able to do some of this. And, um, yeah, it's, it was what it was. I just didn't know any better until I really went to school. Um, I ended up going to a school in fifth grade and a private school, Christian school. And um, I guess then I realized, oh, you know, like kids actually do stuff on Sundays. Like they can hang out with friends and I'm at church the entire day. And so that's kind of whenever I realized that it was maybe not normal what we were doing. Um, but yeah, so like, like John said about his experience, I don't regret a second of it. Um, it was just different. Different's not bad. It's not good. It's just different. And what Eli just shared is so important to remember. And this is a super practical episode. So I hope we're not boring you. I hope that we are, you know, kind of giving you a hug through this podcast and saying, it's going to be okay. As we redirect your attention I heard somebody say once that if you adjust your perspective, it will adjust your experience. Wow. We'll even say spiritually, if you allow God to adjust your perspective, it will adjust your experience. And sometimes we're so focused on what we think we're missing out on that our experience becomes a constant drudgery. But if you realize that what you're doing matters right now, I'm not saying it'll always be easy, but I'm saying it will be worth it. Yeah, but a principle Eli just shared is that the concepts and things that you are learning right now, even if you're learning them under compulsion, they are going to translate into some skills and personality that are going to really advance place you later on down the road. Yep. So like I asked Eli if he remembered his spiel and he was, he was the mascot kid and I was that for a while. People thought I was a boy scout. So they would answer, <laughs> you know, thinking that they were going to, to get some cookies, but instead they would uh, get told about Christ. Amen. But the, 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 he were giving them the bread of life. <laughs> amen. Amen. So, Not sh- You weren't getting shortbread. You were getting the savior's bread. That's right. <laughs> but I made it to that point where, my grandfather was like, all right, you go out, you know, you, you go by yourself, go do your own thing. And so we would go, we'd get in the church buses and vans. We'd go to the neighborhood. They would give us our stack of flyers, gospel tracts, pamphlets, whatever it was for that particular month, knock on the door. Somebody would open it because here's this, you know, 13 year old. So, you know, you don't look threatening or imposing and they'd answer, and I, I'm going to dump this on you, Eli. And the perk is I get to see your face. So I just want you to go ahead and respond to this after I deliver the message to you. Um, And I promise it's going to be fairly close to how everybody else responded. But this is what, not just me, this is what we were all required and taught and coached to say when somebody answered the door. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. 
Hey, good afternoon. I, I won't take up too much of your time. My name's John, and I'm from Faith Baptist Church over here in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're just out in the neighborhood uh, passing out these flyers and inviting people to join us to church. Hey, could I ask you a quick question? Uh, do you, If you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Would that be in relationship with God in heaven, or would you split hell wide open? <laughs> I'm feeling so convicted myself right now. I, uh, what? And I mean, yes, I'm going to heaven, but you just made me question every single thing that I ever believed. Yeah. Some people would be like, I already have a church. Close the door. Some people would be like, no, thanks. Close the door. Some people would take the flyer and be like, oh, but would you like to guess how many people our church grew by? Let's say, I'm going to say the 10 years that I was an active part of this weekly endeavor. Would you like to guess how many people the church grew by as an effort of this ministry? Um, I would love to know. And if you grew. Um, I'm going to say that the endeavors of the Saturday morning visitation, door-to-door knocking, uh, what we would have called evangelism, grew the church by zero. It actually shrunk the church by about 50 because we would guilt people into coming and then they would come and have a terrible experience and then they would never want to come back. But after you've come one time, you're obligated to come again because now you're on a team. And if you don't, they're going to harass you, bug you and annoy you about why don't you care about lost people and your church. And so then you'd go to a different church that didn't have door-to-door visitation so that you could, you know, not be annoyed. Um, and 50 is being generous. I would say we successfully shrunk our church through the efforts of that ministry and others by uh, several hundred. Um, wow. And how yeah. does it feel to play such an integral part in church growth? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, at, at the time, you know, we spiritualized everything, but looking back, while I would never ever take that approach or nor encourage anyone else to do that. I will say that I'm grateful for the experience uh, in yeah. interacting with people. Um, I'm grateful for the discernment that that developed. I'm grateful for the, like you call it, sweat equity that I was able to put into something, even yep. though that something was a sinking ship. You know, now I'm going... I know what it means to put in hard work to something that doesn't matter. And if I can put hard work into something that is failing, I can for sure put hard work into something that has a future. Like every little thing that you do as a preacher's kid matters now and it's going to matter later. And if you'll recognize that, if you'll recognize that truth, it'll change everything. It really will. I mean, I'm 26 right now. And that was 15 years ago when I was doing all that. But it feels like it was also like yesterday all at the same time. Just out of the memories of it and, you know, and it just sticks with you. I mean, some of the stuff is more valuable than, I mean, I I, I dare say some of it is just as valuable as going to school um, to learn about it. 100%. Um, I mean, I was just like an intern for, you know, however many years before I came on staff, I guess. But um yeah, I mean, it was it was worth its weight in gold, honestly. And hopefully, you know, I won't have to, you know, drag my kids door to door to do that. But, you know, they'll learn as well. Um, they'll be at Life Church, you know, whenever whenever that 
day is whenever I have kids, not now, but you know, they'll be doing the same things. They're going to learn to clean. They're going to learn how to do all that stuff. And I mean, it, it matters. It's important. And you know, even if you don't go into ministry, even if you're just going to go into do whatever it is that God's called you to do, because I know a lot of you guys, you may not be called to go into the ministry after this, um, whenever you're, you know, ready to make that decision, but you're going to learn some very just, you're going to learn how to honor. You're going to learn how to respect people. You're going to learn conversation skills with adults a lot better. I mean, that's, mm. I mean, conversation skills with adults is hard. Um, if you just heard John's little thing there about if you're going to heaven or hell um, through, you know, Jesus, you know, like in, you can get denied that, then you can go into any sales pitch ever and yes. probably, you know, knock that out of the park. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, it carries farther than just if you're working at a church, if, you know, that can, you can fit that into any kind of sphere that you're in. Every little thing that you do, there are no small jobs in the kingdom of God. So if you're the preacher's kid that's cleaning the building or knocking on doors or visiting people in the hospital or setting up for some event, just know that what God sees in secret, he always rewards openly. And you are developing skills that you'll use here, but we're not doing it just for that. We're not doing it for the applause of people or recognition or even money. We're doing this because we're serving the Lord. And if you lose sight of that, this is for God, what you do to the least of these you've done to him. If you lose sight of that, you'll start doing it for people. And when people, when people don't appreciate you, um, it, it will, it, it'll destroy you. But God always appreciates the acts of service of his children. And it's important for you to know, and we're not sure what your parents are like as you're listening, but it's important for you to know that it is okay to balance hobbies and interests and mm-hmm. things that you enjoy with ministry. Ministry yep. does not have to be 100% of your time. And I'm just going to give you a scripture verse for that. Book of Psalms, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yep. There's a yep. word in there that I love. It's four letters, A-L-S-O, also. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Do you know what that means? It means that there are going to be other things that you're going to be able to delight in. And that's really where Eli is fixing to shine because he's way better at hobbies than I am. But (laughs) I would just encourage you, have hobbies, have interests, have people and things that you enjoy. But as a preacher's kid, set the example for other students and adults in this ministry and prove that you can delight yourself also in the Lord, maybe even equally as much as you delight in other things. Absolutely. How did you balance hobbies, interests, and ministry? How did you learn to do that? This is, this is probably, if I had to say very, I don't know another word for it, other than maybe difficult for me, um, I hinge so much of my life onto sports and sports was my idol it was my jesus it was my it was i wouldn't say everything because i still gave jesus a little bit he got the leftovers that if i you know wasn't worn out from a game he got the rest of that um and um honestly i just let soccer become everything to me and so growing up i was i was 
you know, I was good at it. Um, I had a real natural talent for it. And so I was getting, you know, asked to play on all these travel teams, but to be on these travel teams, it meant it would set you up for uh, potentially to be obviously better player, better competition, which could lead to college scholarships, which could lead to all that. But then you realize that the games are always out of town on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. And what was Sunday? Sunday is church day. Like you definitely can't touch that. So I had to turn down so many of those opportunities because Sunday was coming and, you know, you just, I couldn't miss Sunday. And um, honestly, definitely for the better, for sure. But it was hard because I think I was so badly in the moment was like, you know, this is just what we do. Like I didn't really ever get like angry at my parents for it at all. I was just like, you know, this is who we are. We're different. We're supposed to be different. And that's just kind of what it is. I never really understood why other than just, this is what we do. And so I think for me, I just had to always kind of readjust my mindset. Like, you know, soccer, I'm probably not going to go play in the World Cup the next one. So it's probably not going to be like a future of mine, but church is probably always going to be somewhere in my future. So I probably need to hinge some of my, you know, efforts onto church. Well, then soccer would come around and, you know, I would get home late from school, especially in high school soccer. You would get home, I mean, some nights I would get home from, there midnight from some of these games I was traveling to and you don't do your homework and then that spills into the rest of your life and then school suffers and then you get you know then your quiet time starts heavily slacking and then you know just as a whole big cycle that kind of came from it whenever you hinge your life onto one hobby maybe for you it's music or whatever that is for you I don't really know what it is there's millions of hobbies out there um, but I encourage you don't put all of your eggs in one basket and then hinge your life on it. Um, but at the same time, find your outlet, find whatever it is and absolutely pursue it with all that you can pursue. Um, if you're really into singing, go be the best singer that you can be. If you're really into sports, like I was go do it and go do it with excellence. I mean, the Bible tells us to do whatever we do with excellence. I mean, it's biblical that you go and do things with excellence. So don't negate what you're doing. Um, but also you are, it is different. You are going to have to, you know, negotiate some of that time and you're going to have to navigate some of life's, you know, you know, things that are fun because, you know, you just are different. I mean, there's kind of boils down to that. You just are a little bit different, but pursue those hobbies, enjoy life. Life is meant to be enjoyed. Um, the work at is called life church. Um, why do we call it life church? Well, we believe that Jesus gives the best life possible. And when you're in him, everything else is just so much, you know, better. Um, even whenever you're going through the hardest times of life, there's still Jesus and having Jesus makes life just a little bit more better. Mm. Um, and so spilling into hobbies and, you know, activities and extracurriculars. Yes. Those things are great, but remember that they're great because, you know, Jesus gave you those talents. Jesus gave you those hobbies. Jesus gave you those things. So putting it all in perspective, you're like, well, I, the least I can do is just give back a little bit of it to God. And that's something I really negated to do. Um, actually, almost the opposite. I think I tried so hard to give all the glory to God and deflect it off of myself 
because I wanted people to tell me, oh, no, 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 but you still did a good job. Like I was looking for the humble brag in it always. Right. I was looking for the, um, I just finished a soccer game. Now I'm going to upload a picture of this and, you know, the Lord is my strength. And everyone's like, oh, that's so great. He's the, you know, good soccer player, but he's also giving Jesus all the praise. And, you know, and this is at the height of like Tim Tebow, when like Tim Tebow was like super mega popular um, for college football and every time he scored a touchdown it was like you know he had the Philippians 413 like stuff all over him and I was like well he's getting a lot of praise for this like he's popular because he's a Christian like that's what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna go be popular sports player because you know that's what works and Mm. I almost did it to kind of I mean honestly I was posting stuff all the time just to get a reaction like positive one just masking my life, honestly. And so that's just kind of what I did. And I use sports as kind of the platform to do it. And so don't do that. I promise you, you will come to a crumbling fail one day and you don't want that. That's so good. So just a recap today, understand that if you are one of those younger PKs that is in church, every time the doors are open, we, we feel you. We relate with your pain, but we want you to know that your pain right now has a purpose. And if you'll adjust your perspective, God can shift your experience. But we also want you to know that it is okay and great. In fact, we believe it's important to have hobbies and interests that you pursue to the glory of God, but not for the Christian humble brag, um, but ultimately to enjoy life and to avoid burnout. Yes. And we don't want to keep you for, for two hours. And so, Eli, I wonder, can you give us, and, and I'll give one as well. I, I don't think we need to explain the road to burnout. I think probably every preacher's kid knows what it means to be burnout, to be like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. I hate it. Let me run from God and the church. The road to burnout is is short and easily accessible But if you're close to burnout or you're there and you're looking for recovery, what is, you know, one or two quick things that you would recommend to come back from that? Um, I would say first and foremost, be honest and open with your parents about it. Um, Honestly, your parents are on your team. They know your parents. Um, Have an open conversation to say, like, I am absolutely just getting burnt. Like, do I have to be here on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays? Like, do I have to be here for all this? Do that. Um, And then, honestly, a lot of it comes down to – I don't want to say actually it all comes down to attitude, but, you know, just having a good attitude and understanding kind of like what John was saying, that there's so much more life skills that are coming out of this. think of it almost as you're just developing life skills. And I know it's hard for you whenever you're 13, 14, 15, whenever everyone else is doing other things. Um, But you're going to be able to have so much better of a quality of life later on down the road because of it. And you may need some counseling to to wipe away some of those um, experiences like John had um, asking people about heaven or hell point blank in their door. Um, But yeah, probably having a good attitude is going to be paramount about it. And three, honestly, uh, being honest with your parents, but being honest with yourself. Um, I didn't even really realize it until I was there. Um, so take a, take some time and slow yourself down, um, slow life down a little bit for yourself and just kind of evaluate where you're at. If things are hard, um, can't be honest with other people if you're not honest with yourself too. Um, I don't know, John, if you can piggyback off any of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
I love the term burnout. And I, I said this in a sermon one day. I said that the only people who ever get burned out are the ones who are not burned up with what the Lord wants to really do. I love the scripture that talks about the zeal of God's house that had completely consumed. And that sentence, the only ones who get burned out are the ones who are not burned up, sounds a little harsh. Um, And so I want to just explain a little bit of what that means. You know, if you're burned out, I would say a good picture is you don't have you don't have oil. There's no fuel anymore. Uh, you're not even running on fumes. You're just, you're burned out. You're broke down. You are out of gas. And in scripture, oil is often something that alludes to the presence of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's an anointing. And so I would say, how do you, how do you get that oil back? How do you refill the tank and you know, reignite that fire and move to the next, the next level. And I'm going to say that it's this, it's important to rest, uh, Sabbath. Um, Sabbath is where we pause and we reflect on who God is. And if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. And if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands, it's a Matt Chandler quote right there. So rest, I would say, recognize that you are not in charge of everything that God is God and you are not. And then I would say, uh, like reset or regroup, find something to push that reset button on that soft reset where you do something other, and then you come back, not constantly going at the same thing. And as you regroup, connect with godly people who can do this with you, because Mm -hmm. it's something that you just can't do alone. Coming back from burnout is something you can't do alone. It's got to be done in community with other people. So absolutely. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode today. And if you're facing burnout or discouragement, or you're one of those every time the doors are open PKs, we want to connect with you. We're here for you. In fact, we just had an incredible conversation with two PKs who connected with us on Instagram this last week. And so we want you to know we're here for you. We think you are amazing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys for listening today. Um, Hopefully you were able to um, just kind of resonate with what we were talking about today. Um, we love you. We are, like John said, we are here for you. Um, we are on your team. And so feel free to just have it even, maybe even share one of those hobbies with us. DM us. What's one of those hobbies that you use to as an outlet? We want to hear, we love hearing about just people in general. So tell us what you're interested in. Um, maybe we have some common interests as well. So we love you. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic day. Bye everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to the Preacher's Kids podcast. And if today's episode was helpful to you, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast or share this episode with a friend. Take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at Those Preacher's Kids. And if you're not part of the Preacher's Kid Network Facebook group, see the link in the description and we'd love to connect with you there. We'll see you next time.